What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. Here on a Friday, the day before our week six matchup with the Missouri State Bears. It's a big one, and we will cover that at the end of this, along with not as much. It won't be as long as the previous episode. We will have some things to cover, the typical stuff, along with some news and a couple interviews, along with, like I said, the preview of the Bears. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch, as always. Noah, it's a, it's a huge week. We've talked about it. We'll get to it here at the end. How enormous of a game this is, no matter the, the status of how both teams are playing, We've said it from the get-go. This could have – it's in the middle of the season. It arguably is the biggest game of the year. What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got two teams who are on the back end – back end of just in on the playoff race. Um, you got two teams that won, really, the Missouri State Bears, who now have dropped three in a row, um, looking to stay alive in the playoff race almost. I mean um, – if they lose this one, it'd be it'd be hard hard to see them getting in. Even though we've seen um, over the years that you can lose that fifth game and sneak in if you have a good enough um, wins and strength of schedule and stuff because they favor the Missouri Valley Football Conference. But um, yeah, it's a big one, and uh, can't wait to dive into these Bears. You're right. It's like we know how exactly how that feels. We know exactly how it feels to barely, you know, to not get in when we should have. And then the last two been squeezing in. So you're right. Anything can happen, especially with the team that the voters and the people who vote on people to get in. Like, you know, if they beat us at home per se, then, you know, they should be sitting fine. But it's even if even with a loss by them, depends how it goes. Yeah, they still could be in the mix, depending upon. I don't know what the, uh, the rest of their schedule looks like, but we will dive into that at the end of this. Yes. Yeah, so. Like I said, not a whole lot to talk about today, but we will start off with some some bad news that we knew about. We we tweeted about it. I don't know if we talked about it on Monday. I, I think we did actually. That Jeremy Chin left his left the game, the Panthers game with an injury early on with a uh, with a what was it hamstring, hamstring I believe. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking at the article here. Article here, and Jeremy is now on injured reserve. And Noah, this is devastating for him, obviously. And clearly Panthers fans are devastated because if you go to, you know, the post that they made that he was on injured reserve, the fans were constantly saying pretty much how screwed they were and how sad they were. And I mean, there were literally hundreds of them. So that just shows the importance of Jeremy, as we know. But Noah, we know outside of being a great player and being on injured reserve for a couple of weeks, three to four weeks, we saw that he – uh, did some charity work. Looked like they were giving out food or something, and it, it was it was cool because we saw that Madre Harper, who tweeted about it, and we retweeted it that he that Jeremy invited him to go to that since Madre's on the practice squad to go help out with that cause. So that was really cool, Noah. So like I said, it's good to see Madre back, and we you know I haven't seen anything to I think they talk about some other things from the practice squad like Marcus Blair is a different safety that they were going to bring up to fill Jeremy's spot. Madre is not going to get the call up. They have a couple other options. Uh, but, no, it's cool to see Madre get involved with that and know that he's only a phone call away and then dive in, obviously, to the devastation of Jeremy missing a couple weeks because the Panthers are already down in the dumps. And like we said on Monday, losing your a captain and one of your top tacklers, an important player, they're honestly screwed maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, what Jeremy does for that defense and that team um, – 
it sucks. I mean, like you said, we see what the Panthers fans say about him. I mean, they're struggling as a team and as a defense already, but um, losing a guy like that, it it's going to hurt them. Um, you'll notice it in the game if you watch the Panthers on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, you could see then uh, him going out to the community. Um, we saw him do that here. Um, he got out in the community in Southern Illinois. Now he's uh, cool to see him invite Madre down there. Um, I mean, but minus minus Jeremy on the on the IR now for the Panthers. Um, they got some other injuries banged up. Like you said, they're going to call up Marcus Blair, but um, I think they got another safety and a couple other corners that are listed as questionable. So if they can't go this week, uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Madre get the call. Um, and we'd be we'd be able to tune into a Panthers game to see if he gets uh if he gets any playing time if if he does get the call. Yeah, we're hoping he does. And yeah, Jeremy only played six snaps in that game and didn't come back. And they did say the next four weeks officially. So, I mean, a crazy stat on him. He led all we t- we know about how he led all rookies in tackles his rookie year. And he's one of three players in Panthers franchise history with at least 100 tackles in each of his first two seasons, joining Luke Keekley and John Beeson. We know Luke Keekley shut down his career early, but he might be headed to the Hall of Fame. So he said he's only missed one game in his, his rookie season, and he missed last year's game with an, uh, the last game of the year with an ankle injury. But he started the other 35 games in which he has appeared. So it's just crazy the importance of him. We wishing him a speedy recovery. And we know he dealt with injuries here in the latter part of his career. We know his junior year is what teams could have easily went off of with his tape. And we know he made a couple, uh, you know, big plays there in his last couple of years, but he was dealing with injuries and he stayed relatively healthy, healthy to this point. So yeah, we're hoping that he can bounce back here in four weeks. Uh, so there's him and we know Ryan Neal, uh, had a couple tackles last week and he is in new Orleans with the saints or to face the Saints this week with the Seahawks, Noah. And we haven't talked about any other NFL Salukis. I don't know if you, if, you know, we're able to keep up with some. We've talked about Craig James before, Michael Pruitt being on the Falcons. Do we know any? Have you seen anything else on any other Salukis? Mainly, mainly Michael, but anybody else either? Yeah, um, Michael is still on the Falcons practice squad, um, but did uh, just because I have him in fantasy. Uh, Kyle Pitts will not play this week, so maybe Michael gets a call for tight end role um, for the Falcons. Um, haven't seen it. I haven't seen anything else than Craig James still on a practice squad. So um, it'd be pretty cool to see um, some guys get called off the practice squad. So hopefully they can get that and get the chance to play this week weekend for sure. And then. We there's more NFL teams that visited this week. The Eagles, the a couple of these teams making the visits again. The Seahawks with Ryan, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Jaguars made visits. Uh, keep making the round. So there was that. Uh, now, Noah, there was, as we know, uh, getting to some interviews here, but the first one we know was Monday in the doghouse. Neither of us got a chance to listen to it yet. It's probably a long one. It's just Richie talking to the guys per usual. Uh, so if anybody Let's uh, obviously go check that out it's on our feed if you want to listen to that before the game. We know Richie had an enormous week last week to help us, and he's been making the rounds with interviews, as all these other guys do when they play well. We know Jacob's been doing the last couple of weeks. So, now some of the interviews that we did listen to. Let's start off with Branson. 
we know Branson, we've talked about it endlessly, the rough start that he had and, you know, how he's turned it on. He about seven minute interview with Mike and he pretty much started off with saying that, you know, how much that he has improved this season. He just pretty much talked about getting more reps and comfortability. And know what he said that because he was asked about, you know, the play calling with him and he says the safeties kind of take care of that, you know, but he kind of directs if he sees something on the defense and stuff. But he said the safeties are the ones that call out. So we know the revolving door, and we'll get to that, maybe a depth chart a depth chart change. Uh, some of those guys, maybe the safeties run the defense back there. Um, and then, Noah, he was asked about I'll – th- I'll get your thoughts on everything else that said in there, but this one he said that he hadn't thought – Mike asked him about going pro because he's got two years of eligibility left, and he hasn't really thought too hard about it. He said, you know, guys constantly do, and it seems like the main thing to do, obviously, getting to the next level – but he knows he'll have a life outside of football. He has that option, he says. And no, I mean, Noah, if he keeps growing, like he's got to stay consistent, but he's doing that now, as we know. And last year, he's, he's new to the position, obviously. And uh, if he keeps it up for two more years and stays here and dominates, he very well could be. Noah, dive into that. What are your thoughts on that and everything else he talked about? Yeah, obviously, um, him um, obviously getting the snaps. I mean, game reps are so huge. Um, to see him get to turn out from bringing out coming over from that wide receiver position, you see it a lot in college football guys changing positions, and it takes some time to get in a rhythm and figure out how how obviously this defense plays, and obviously coming from last year where you had veterans in front of you, from this year you're playing with a lot of new faces around this defense and. It took a couple games for this defense to get going, but they're really getting going. And it's really been led by this guy. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, being only a COVID sophomore, um, it's going to be interesting to see how his career moves forward. But at the rate he's going um, and at the size and the able to coverage, there's not a lot of good coverage linebackers in the game anymore. There's some that can do it, but. Um, he'll all absolutely have a chance. Um, if that's what he's wanting wanting to do, I think he uh he's majoring. I think I looked it up today. He's majoring in marketing, so obviously he'll have a backup plan and be able to graduate with a degree. So, um, but yeah, obviously they talked about other things. They talked about um they dove into uh, Missouri State a little bit. Um, the rush defense talked about Jason Shelley a lot and the challenge he presents. So um, it's on our feed. Like, like we said, say about all the interviews. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. Yeah. I compared Jason Shelley to Lindsey Scott and how difficult he was in that first week. And they have a lot of similarities, obviously keeping them in the pocket is vital. Uh, You're right. He he did mention how, uh, the run game, he feel like has been better this year, how they were not good at the last year. He says, no matter what the stats say. And uh, obviously, you know, cause he talked about how the running, there's a lot of running teams in the Valley and it's important to, uh, you know, improve and be better against them. Uh, and he, he's, he touched on good tackling. He's, cause I think Mike asked him about uh, good tackling by the, by the uh, corners. And maybe he mentioned, uh, you know, the blitzes are able to get to the quarterback, but he mentioned how, how well tackling they've done. And he mentioned them all, and he, again, gave props to P.J. Even though we know P.J.'s flip-flopped, he's kind of like a hybrid. He's doing, honestly, both. 
Uh, but he gave props to him and how, how much they trust PJ to make, to honestly get the job done and make every open field tackle, make every kind of play. And we're, we're liking the confidence in our DBs as well. And then uh, you're right. The new, the, they reiter, reiterated again about the new players and it took time. Yes. To mesh. And he, he said, cause you know, Nick Hill said all the time how talented the defense is. And it was just all about finding that mesh and getting going as a unit. So definitely was a good interview with Branson. He, we remember he got interviewed at the start of the year. He's kind of been the leader on that defense. And now that he's doing it on the field, he keeps continuing to get these interviews. And it's good to hear him speak uh, as he continues, as the years goes on. And then Noah, they talk, uh, Mike True talked to Deontay. And again, it, because we talked about it, about uh, what he said after the post game, last game, about how great it feels to be healthy. And that's kind of what he said in this one, uh, that he appreciates all the support from everybody that he's been getting, uh, feels blessed to be his old self again. And, you know, being on the field flying around, because uh, he said, he, you know, it's been a low period in his life these last two years, you know, missing uh, the past two seasons with, you know, injuries galore. And uh, he said that, you know, finally being able to show why they brought him there. And, um, and it's a great feeling playing with Avante, he says again, Noah and, and Nick Baker. He said 2016 was a big year in high school for all of them. Uh, and we'll get to it. I'll let you dive into the article of those three because we talked about the end of last game. Their coaching staff showed up to the game. and. Uh, he gave them some love, so we'll get to that interview. Uh, and he, so, pretty, yeah, the bond and connection with as that three is strong, and it's hard to miss, and it's, it's going to be hard for him to miss when his career is over. Uh, Noah, what else did you take from that, the latter part of it? And then you can dive into the start of that article. Yeah, they really just listening. I mean, if you haven't, if you don't know what this guy's been through, even go back to his senior year, he missed five games because of a broken arm. Then. He went to uh, Division Two Missouri Baptist um, in 2017. Um, then after that, he transferred to Illinois as a walk-on, but didn't play any games. Then he came here. Obviously, his brother transferred here from Wyoming in, in uh, the COVID year 2020 in August training camp. He had a injury towards ACL, uh, missed the season. Then last year down at SEMO, he had one uh, one catch for five yards. He had a carry for three, but on the on the carry, um, he got his knee taken out and had another knee surgery. So, what he's been through is incredible. Now, you can finally see what he's what he's able to do, and he's coming into his own with this offense. Um, with Isaiah out, this is the this is the other side we needed, opposite of his brother, and now having the twins go at it, um, pretty crazy to see. Um. Now, now it's not just uh, not just Avante you have to worry about. Um, Dante's coming into his own. Um, incredible. He they also dove in. They dove into Missouri State a little bit. Um, how how they play a lot of man defensively. So it's gonna be one on one. So interesting to see what happens there. Um, if he likes his. Um, then, then the article about the three, the three Rochester. You have to pay grads. for it. Yeah, you have to pay for it, but um, wasn't able to read that. But um, like the article says, um, they're winners, so um, they know how to win, and that's what they're doing here. Exactly, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, no matter how you know, and the Cox brothers have done their part. Avante is going to break records, only being here for barely three years, and. 
you know, being the quarterback for Nick, it's, you know, he takes a lot of flack and, you know, rightfully so as every quarterback should, it's just, it's just remembering in the back of our minds that these guys are, I mean, Nick Hill talks about it all the time about how they've been such winners and it's, you know, we've done that for the most part, you know, and maybe not to the utmost of what the ultimate goals are, but it's getting to the playoffs and winning and having nice regular seasons, even though you definitely have stinker games, it's in the back of our minds knowing that these guys do, you know, can get the job done because they've done it their whole careers. And it's a different ball game in high school compared to here, clearly. But it's just knowing that they can get the job done. It's That is an important trio for sure. You're right. I forgot that that was – we had to pay for that article. I'm sure it's got some good stuff in it. And you're right. He mentioned the man coverage, and he said they'll do whatever uh, whatever look they give them, that they'll be ready for it. They'll take advantage of it. And then uh, he – they – Mike Trude asked him about, you know, the importance of each game, game by game, and knowing what their record is compared to Missouri State's and just how the importance of each conference game. Everybody's been talking about how important each conference game. I'm glad that everybody knows it because that's how it should be. And then at the end, he says he's by far the best that he's uh, – he says by far the best is still yet to come for him, and he's finally locked in, locked in overall and definitely into the offense as time goes on. We talked about it a million times. We had him last year, who knows, and we talked about him Isaiah, for sure, he's kind of taking the Isaiah role. We get all three of them back by the end of the season, how important that would be. And we talked about, well, maybe Isaiah would be perfect, you know, back for this game. And, he, and he's not. So we'll just continue to take it game by game. We'll need him at some point. Some guys will step up, but we got our top two guys doing their thing. So good interviews there with those guys, Noah. So before we cover uh, other games that are happening around the FCS and then our game, Noah, dive into the commits and their games tonight. A couple of good luck tweets we sent out to others that are even weren't our commits and then dive into a, another offer or two that we got. Yeah, we uh, sent out some, I believe, Miles Walsh got a good luck tweet. Cameron White, Logan Minton. Um, I didn't see any of our other commits. Uh, we even um, sent out one to a Juco wide receiver. Um, so that's, that's uh, see, it looks like that's one of the very few that we've um, – that I've seen that we've sent good luck out to that's not a commit. So um, diving into some of these commits as games tonight, I'm starting out in Kansas with miles Walsh. Um, They are four and one on the season. Um, They have a four game winning streak. Like I mentioned um, after that tough loss opening weekend, um, they at home this weekend against a under undefeated maze team. So, a really good matchup out there in Kansas um, for uh, Miles and his team. Um, I actually dug in a little – I dug in this week and uh, found some stats um, for Miles. So, um, he's leading his team in tackles. Um, he has 55 total tackles on the year so far. Um, that's 17 more than any of, anybody else on his team. Um, he has two tackles for loss this season. He's averaging 11 tackles a game, so um, we're getting a pretty good um, tackler. He's a tackling machine. So, um, like I said, they got a really big home game tonight. Um, hopefully he can show out um, in front of his uh, fans and get a big win. Um, they're going down to Alabama and Prattville High School and uh, our two commits down there. Um, they're also on a three-game – they're also on a winning streak. They've won three in a row here. Um, they got a home game tonight against Jefferson Davis, who is two and four. So, 
uh, Prattville and Tyce Cotry um, and Carmelo Smith look to improve to five and two tonight. Um, I found some stats on them as well. So um, let, let me pull them up real quick. I had them. Um, hold on real second. As it loads, I'm leading also um, second on his team in tackles with 42 on the year. Tice um, has seven and seven, seven tackles a game. He has 12 tackles for loss on the year. So, um, Tice disrupting things at that linebacker position. Um, then Carmelo Smith, 32 tackles on the year, uh, seven tackles for loss. He has 5.3 tackles per game. So um, him and Tice having a pretty good senior season. Um, like I said, hopefully they can make it four in a row uh, tonight with a big home win. Also down in Alabama, um, our newest commit, uh, Huntsville, four and two, also looking for four in a row tonight. They are on the road at a five and two Florence team, so um, a big opportunity for Cameron and them. Also found some season stats on him. Um, he's leading the way for his. He has 177. I don't know. If he's played five games. Hopefully, all these stats are correct. Uh, only has 177 receiving yards. Um, on the season, three touchdowns um, seems a little low for him, so I'm not sure if those are right. Hopefully, they are. Um, then up up north in Illinois, Stanford, uh, Stanford, Illinois, Olympia Spartans, um, and Aiden Durig, three and three, or Blaine Halley, sorry, uh, three and three on the year, looking to get over that 500 mark. Um, they have a home game against Pleasant Plains tonight, a uh, conference matchup. So hopefully they can get back on track after losing to a tough Moreau Forsyth team um, last week. Uh, then up in St. Louis area, um, Logan Minton, uh, our tight end commit, 5-2 um, and two on the year. Uh, they're on the road to undefeated Eureka team. That sounds familiar to you guys. Uh, that's where former tight end uh, used to used to uh, transferred, but uh, Avery Taggart was from Eureka. So really good matchup on the road uh, for the Lafayette uh, Lancers uh, this weekend and Logan. Um, hopefully they can pull out another big one. Um, I got some stats on him. Um, He'll probably he usually DMs us if they're wrong, so we'll be able to tell you if I was wrong or not with this website. Has 15, 15 catches for two hundred thirty four yards and three touchdowns this year. Um, so solid, I'd say a pretty solid year going for a tight end. You don't see a lot of tight ends um, in high school football. Get a lot of stats. Um, then going down to Florida, and our and Caleb Wagner Baker's four and two. Um, they're on the road to three and two J high school team this week. So um, they're looking to make it two in a row um, after dropping one. They got a big win last week. Um, then staying down south, down in Georgia, and our guy, Amir Dwight, they've dropped two in a row to fall to three and three. So um, they have a home game against a 4-2 Monroe school tonight. So hopefully bounce back, get back on the winning ways um, before playoffs get here because – uh, football season's flying fast for these guys in their senior season. Um, then fe 
finishing off with Aiden Durig and Crown Point. Um, they're still running the table, seven wins in a row, seven and zero on the year. Um, home game against Chesterton tonight. I'm expecting the roll big in that one too. So, um, a lot of a lot of winning streaks here for our commits. Hopefully, they continue them. Need some teams to get on the winning way, right on the winning ways. So, um, good luck to those guys tonight. We'll keep you guys updated Monday. Yeah, good job again. You're right. It seems like for sure the high school season is flying by. I mean, these weeks in general, we know time flies in general, and we're already, you know, every single time talking about what they did and what's coming up and hearing their records. It's crazy. And we keep – and, again, I'll mention that we need to find out how Caleb Wagner is doing. Just on the ground, knowing that he he's breaking records, and no matter what his – you know, he broke it last year, no matter how his team's doing, I would like to see what his stats are. Might have to get in touch with him see if he can – do it like how Logan was for us. That would be cool. And then, Noah, talk about that. We offered a offensive lineman recently for the fifth time, looks like. Yeah, uh, poorly worded tweet by him. But, uh, yeah, we offered a – down in Georgia, offered another Georgia guy, uh, Gus Gamage, 6'4", 300 pounds. Um, he's a first-team all-conference and all-state offensive lineman. So, um, offered him yesterday. Hopefully – Hopefully that we can add to keep that Georgia line going. And we know we got Ryan Chanley, um, a freshman offense lineman from last year, and we got uh, Derek Harden uh, a couple of years prior to that. But um, just an interesting tidbit: uh, a guy we're after, a guy that we've shown interest in, and six six quarterback Caden Carroll out of the out of Jefferson City, Missouri, uh, tweeted, "Congrats! It's the place to be." So. Um, if, if he was committed here, I would understand that tweet, but it's pretty, pretty interesting that he would make that tweet as a three-star six, six quarterback. Um, not sure how at that size, he doesn't have really good offers. It's a good point. We know we, we find a way in the state of Missouri to get a lot of guys, uh, and he did take a visit at the North Dakota game, so maybe he he enjoyed that game a lot and letting them know that it's it is the place to be. So we can get both of them. Yeah, you're right. Three star, six six. I mean, we want a quarterback that's it's nothing away from Nick in general. He is obviously like under the average typical quarterback size, but just like looking ahead to the future, obviously it'd be nice to have someone that big and three star. You're right. He should be getting bigger looks, and he he very well might over time, but. Um, yeah, him saying that I think says something. So hopefully we can land both of those, both of those guys. Good job on that again. And uh, a couple, couple of things here quickly. Uh, I did notice on our feed that uh, just a couple of things. I don't even know if they're worth mentioning. Actually, is they tweet about our helmet being in the Missouri Valley Football Conference contest, the Helmet Bowl. They showed ours. So obviously, it's beautiful. The helmet tracker posted about it. So we'll see uh, – <clears throat> no, yeah, we sent the image to put them on this. Hopefully we can win that. Just a small thing. And then Nick Baker was on the week's scholar-athlete spotlight for the Missouri Valley. And I don't think anything else. Uh, we, we, we retweeted it just to see if recruits notice something like this, that uh, from the Princeton Review, the SIU is ranked among the Midwest's best and had a schedule a visit and all that stuff. So wanted to get that out there. And then Reddit FCS, before we get to around the FCS and the games – Reddit FCS had their top 25 poll and had us at uh, 15 uh, 
I mean, I just know it has Missouri State at 19. So, Noah, with all that being said, let's talk about – before we preview the Bears, let's talk about other games that are – talk about how maybe some games are underwhelming this week. Ours might very well be the best one, but dive into the ones that are. Yeah, um, there's a pretty good uh, – there's some. There's a pretty good one tonight um, out in the Ivy League. Harvard, 2-1, um, and one, travels to Cornell. So, um, it's on ESPNU if anybody wants to watch some football tonight. Um, but around the conference, I mean, not a lot of great games, um, but North Dakota State travels to Indiana State, so don't expect much there. Um, there's a couple good ones here at the bottom. Uh, South Dakota South Dakota travels to South Dakota State. Um, we know we've talked about South Dakota's schedule a lot, but um, honestly expect the Jackrabbits to roll. Um Illinois State travels to Northern Iowa. Um, that's Northern Iowa's tough place to play. So we'll see how the Redbirds um, do up there. Then North Dakota travels, coming off a big win, travels to Youngstown State. Uh, Youngstown com- coming off that loss to uh, North Dakota State. So that's an interesting one. That one will shake up the middle of the pack, um, probably in the Valley, um, if North Dakota can get a big road win. Um, that'll sink Youngstown to 0-2 in conference. So uh, a lot of – then across the FCS, like you mentioned, pretty underwhelming. Um, just looking at teams we've played, SEMO uh, hosting Tennessee Tech. Expect to see SEMO rolling that one. Um, other than that, uh, what does Incarnate Word, I believe, Host the 0-5 Lamar, so expecting the roll. So um, the Northwestern, no one really cares what they're doing. Yeah, Southeast Louisiana has a home game against Texas A&M Commerce. That'll be a blowout. So it's kind of like – I think it's that we were mentioning how uh, – I mean, Eastern Washington's on the road, Sacramento State's hosting. So, I mean, I was going to say some teams might have buys, but you're right. There's some other games in there. Some of those ranked teams should roll. And speaking of the conference, yeah, outside of North Dakota State at Indiana State, which will be a blowout, I like those other games, though, <clears throat> for sure. The You're right back right around the middle of the pack, and we'll see how what South Dakota's got. We know South Dakota's talented, and they're a fine team, even though they're going on the road to South Dakota State. That will be a nice game. And then Illinois State, Northern Iowa, yeah, they're kind of, you know, middle-of-the-way teams, so that's actually a really good matchup. You and I get to host that, and then North Dakota-Youngstown are kind of in the same position. You're right, Youngstown could go 0-3. North Dakota's a great home team. If they can bounce back off that huge win they had last week, but they are on the road. Uh, so, I mean, that's an interesting game as well. So, around the Valley, solid teams, and we know UT Martins at Murray State, the winless Murray State. Yeah, that'll be a blowout. And then – Yeah, a couple so more yeah, across, the- across the FCS um, that are interesting – uh, number 24, Eastern Washington's at number seven, Weber State. Uh, like I mentioned, Eastern Washington, um, I think I mentioned before that they played a really tough schedule, has two power five losses, which were at Oregon and at Florida. So um, their record doesn't say how good they are. Then Davidson at St. Thomas, that's a pretty good one. Then the other one to watch out for is uh, – Number six, Delaware at number 16, William & Mary. So, but other than that, pretty, pretty underwhelming across the board. Yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out for those games tomorrow and then talk about them early next week. 
So now I know our matchup. Again, it's until we play, until we host the Bison later on in the season, this is by far the biggest game of the year because it would it would have been the case if we hadn't lost to SEMO and our season had been what it, you know, what it's been and Missouri State losing their tough games. No matter how the teams are playing, it's obviously an important game. So uh, we'll get to that here shortly. So, yeah, again, it's it's – you know they've won two of the uh, they've won two of the last or the last two meetings and four of the last six between us. Again, don't matter how the teams are playing now. We we recall just saying how it's a budding rivalry with how these games have went the last two years. We wanted revenge on them coming to our place, and it's time to get back on the road for our fourth time in six games being on the road. So we're ranked seventeenth. They're ranked twentieth. It's I think, and we'll get to a. Hero had a prediction. I haven't looked at it totally. We'll dive into that <clears throat> at the end here after we get our typical stuff involved here, Noah. So, like I said, we, we recall the last two games. It's time to get revenge. Let's dive into the Bears. Yeah, I mean, uh, just a, a, to remind everybody what happened last year, uh, we had a three-point lead at halftime, but uh, the Bears reeled off three touchdowns in a six-minute span um, to win by ten last year. Um so then we the year prior we know what happened. It was a uh last second field goal um to win at their place. So um two losses in a row. This team was picked four or third in, in the preseason poll, um, right in front of us by a couple points. So um bring back Jason Shelley, who everybody knows who he is, uh one player of the year last year. He was picked for uh preseason all uh, first team um along with his wide receiver Tyrone Scott one of the best in the country um offensive lineman Landy Landon BB um also first team uh preseason then on defense Kevin Ellis um a defensive lineman first team defense along with his teammate uh Montre Braswell defensive back and Kyrie McDonald um on that defense um Grant Burkett, uh, first-team special-team punter. Um, Burkett, um, a really good punter. Um, special teams could play if they need to flip the field. Um, he's the guy to do it. Um, he is um, an All-American punter. Um, he's the active leader among all FCS punters um, and is on pace to surpass the Missouri Valley Football Conference career record um, for average um, he's averaging 45.4 um, this season. That's sixth nationally and leads the Missouri Valley. So um, if they need to flip the field, they can. Um, but he usually he doesn't get a lot of, a lot of um, opportunities, especially uh, with this offense, like I mentioned. Uh, we thought they could get um, North Dakota transfer and running back, um, but they went elsewhere. Um, they had already added Kansas State transfer running back Jacardia Wright, um, a really good running back. Um, Got to have to stop the run like we talked or like Branson talked about. Run defense has been a little bit better. Um, Jacardia has 355 yards on the year, two touchdowns. He's averaging 71 yards per game. Um, right behind him, uh, Jason Shelley, you'd think, he had run for a lot, but um, with his scrambling and their offensive line issues, uh, 
he's sacked a lot, so he doesn't have a lot of rushing yards, but he does have two touchdowns rushing this year. But passing is where he's already thrown for almost 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, only two interceptions on the year for Jason Shelley. So, um, but but receiving wise, I mentioned Tyrone Scott, um, four touchdowns on the year for him. He's averaging 83 yards per game receiving. Uh, Jihad Booker, I mean, these two, one of the, uh, I mean, we've seen receivers this year that they just went off on us. We talked about, talked about Taylor Grimes before the Incarnate Word game, an All-American receiver. We didn't contain him um, at the SEMO game. We obviously know what their two receivers and King and uh, I forget the other guy's name, but they went off on us. Um, so um, going to have to control Tyrone Scott would be the guy I would key on. So um, we know we don't move corner side to side. So um, whoever's on there, got to be know where Tyrone Scott is. But um, like I said, offensive line issues, they, Jason Shelley gets sacked a lot, but like Nick Hill mentioned in his press conference on Monday, we got to this guy seven times last year. They still beat us, so um, it's going to be really tough. Jason Shelley, um, Branson mentioned, mentioned compared him to Lindsey Scott. I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup, but our defense has played better. Um, they got to be able to – I mean, key to the game is – Probably you got to win. You got to limit big plays defensively, and you probably you're gonna have to win the turnover battle to win on the road here. Yeah, and if I'm looking at that right, it says Shelley has been sacked 23 times. Yep. I mean, we thought last week with uh, Enixstad, eight times was a lot. 23 times. Yeah, going back to last season, however many times, even at halftime and then not being able to win. So that's why Nick, you know, talked about how dangerous of a team they still are. And they do have star power. And that's what, I mean, he, Shelley had, doesn't really have a whole lot of incompletions, even throwing the ball, 63% on the year. And then you're right, because I was kind of just trying to compare the leaders of stats between them and us. Uh, he's completed, Shelley has completed six more passes than Nick, and it's got about close to 300 more yards, two more touchdowns, and they both have two picks. You're right. Wright has about 13 more carries than Romero, and he's only got about 47 more yards, and Rose got more touchdowns. I think that's only, you know, only where – the only place we have them beat in terms of our stat leaders on this side. And then you mentioned some of their defense. Yeah, they're, they're, they would have guys that would be leading us and tackling as well. Uh and it's tough to be a running back like Wright with how Shelley is so dual threat, uh, you know, that he's able to escape and do everything unless it's a design run. But he since he's such a good passer that they do let him drop back a lot. He's just the full package. He's the reigning player of the year for a reason, for sure. And you're right. Scott is a problem. I mean, he's got Deontay's now our leading receiver. He's got three more touchdowns than Deontay. Granted, he's got about nine more receptions, but he's got – whatever my math would be, a hundred something more yards, but just knowing that he is a stud. And that's why, you know, circling at the start of the year before knowing what PJ's role was going to be, it'd be a perfect matchup for, you know, PJ on Scott. But we know, you know, DJ and David have done a nice job. It's just, we have been getting thrown on a little bit and sometimes they don't, you know, they won't go to someone's side or something. We know PJ had happened with last year, but our corners have struggled at times in coverage. So especially with a lot of, uh, 
pass interference calls. So it's important in that regard. And but it's just the fact that he gets sacked twenty three. I mean, that's massive. I mean, that just shows you that's maybe a sneak peek to some dogs of the game means it's keeping him in the pocket and getting to him a little bit. But again, you have to and just go. I mean, last game you got to wipe that clean. We're thinking the team did in terms of defense. You were good. You held them in the second. The you know when it mattered most on defense, but offense cannot have these you know, any bad stretches. And you mentioned their punter's good and flipping the field and ours has to be better in this game, clearly. And they're going to take advantage of whenever we can't do anything and we try to flip the field or if it barely goes anywhere, it gets them to half or to midfield, they are going to capitalize on it. It's just staying disciplined and, yeah, having a spy. I mean, Branson talked. It seems like that's something that Branson would have anybody, honestly, any of those guys that we have out there to have on Shelley. Um, it's just an enormous matchup. And I mean, that 23 sacks thing blew me away. So uh, speaking on uh, Missouri state, Nick Hill said this week, they create a lot of challenges. They're a really good football team with some of the best skill that we will see. They have one of the more talented quarterbacks in the country. I have a lot of respect for him and the toughness that he shows. I have tons of respect for coach Bobby Petrino and just being able to coach against him. He has a good football team and, uh, he said on Shelly, such a great creator with his feet. Oftentimes it's a big part of his game is making those big plays with a little bit of chaos around him. There's a fine balance on how you want to go after a quarterback like this. When you do bring pressure, then you're susceptible to different things. They've got to do a better, we've got to do a better job of changing up the pictures on them. And then when we do get an opponent to get him on the ground, we've got to tackle well. No, that's the biggest thing of this game. What else you got? Yeah, just, uh, there's some team stats. Um, they're scoring. Um, not a lot, not, not as loud as you think they would, um, but only scoring 27 points a game. Um, they're allowing 32 a game. So, um, we've talked about this team a little bit, um, just like us last week. I mean, not really a second half team. I mean, just looking at breakdowns, um, by halves, um, they are outscoring opponents in the first half. 76 to 55, but in the second half, um, they get outscored, if I can do my math in my head, 103 to 58 in the second half. 69 to 34, they've been outscored this year in the fourth quarter. I mean, not a, it's just like us last week. I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of their games, but I don't know what they're doing. Um, obviously, that fourth quarter, I think Arkansas outscored like a lot, like 28 points in the fourth quarter to come back to beat them. So that probably number is not as high as it, as higher than it should be. Um, but this is a Petrino defense um, we got to watch out for. Um, they're only allowing 34% of third down conversions. So um, we got to be really, really good on third down. So. Um, this is a f- tough football team, so um, let's dive into the dogs of the games. What you got for dogs of the game? Well, I was going to say, I'm so glad you brought up the topic of them not being able to finish games. I feel like I, I've just been harping on it for weeks, and I haven't even mentioned it yet, that that is the biggest thing with them. You're right. And it was karma for us last week, and knowing that and, – and it would be totally us to go in there and to have a nice lead or something or to then not blow a lead or, or then be able to actually – have success in the latter. I mean, those are those, that's a lot of difference in scoring. 
It's incredible. Yeah, you're right. Arkansas, and granted, it's Arkansas. They drop a lot of points and consecutively, and then North Dakota's a great home team. Uh, you know, and we talked about we're glad this isn't at home knowing our struggles, but, you know, we've come to be a, a nice home team or a nice road team, obviously. So, yeah, and it's just uh, finishing them. And we always tweet on our tweets during the game a sustain and being able to finish and a, a team that can do all that chaotic stuff like Nick was talking about. It's just so important to just get the job done at the end of the game when it matters most. And if we continue what happened last week, that definitely won't happen and this game could get ugly. So quickly, some some of the notebook stuff before we get into the dogs of the game, some small things. Um, we're apparently the one of 13 FCS teams that have not lost a fumble this season. We know that we had some last week that we didn't lose. Uh, let's see. there We have 12 different players that have sacks this year, and Dewey Green does lead us which we'll get to him. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the depth chart before we get in the dogs of the game, Noah, but he's on here with three and a half. Uh, Richie with three. Those are the two leading sack getters, uh, which we've been talking about this before, and it's funny knowing that it's clearly the case. The shortest center, quarterback, and running back combination in school history with Koffel at six foot, Nick at five nine, and Rowe at five six. And then, Noah, as we know, Avante keeps climbing the boards, as we say in the record books at SIU history. He will – he could tie Cornell Craig uh, if he just gets one catch in this game for a record of 38 consecutive games. So that's a big thing to worry about. Some other things here, but Noah, I mentioned the depth chart. We look at it every week to see if there's anything different, you know, who's hurt, who maybe bounced out of it. And it does change every week. There's at least one maybe, but there's a couple on this one. What are they? Yeah, obviously we've been looking at it every week and uh, discussing some changes. Um, I don't think it was, if I look here, obviously last week, wide receivers changed with Bryce Miller. He's fully healthy and he is starting now, but nothing else offensively. Defensively is where the changes come in. Um, we've been talking about how, uh, on the cornerbacks, Colin Hurd is the backup on both. Um, he is now so only behind David Miller and Mark Davis, who has been playing, um, more than Colin is now behind DJ on the depth chart. So um, finally they fixed that. I'd say that's been an error the whole time. Um, other, other things changes. Dewey green finally on the depth chart behind Richie. Um, he's, he's, I mean, the way he's been playing, it's hard not to um, give him more playing time. Um, then the other one is uh, Adam Hundemere now behind Cam Bowdry. Um Hopefully Cam's ready to go this week. So uh, Adam replaces Devin Love, who was behind Cam on that one. Yeah, and I think, and you got to imagine if you had Dewey and Richie out there, and maybe at some points they might be out there at the same time. But, but it's good to have that production and the secondary guys of that new fresh guys coming in and keeping Okiki out there. And Nick's done a Nick's done a nice job. It's just knowing that, and I think he could be good in the second unit with with uh, Lewis, but. Uh, I mean, that'd be like, especially if Kiki isn't having that production and you focus on Richie, who's having a great season, then obviously it could do wonders if you have both on one, like Dewey and Richie, your most productive guys to be able to recap it. You can't really, you know, focus on one of them. But you're right. Yeah, seeing Antonio in there, free safety back. And we talked about PJ and what Branson said about him. We expect to see a lot. We expect to see a lot of these guys up there. And it's good to see Mark Davis earn that. You're right. It might have been a mistake, but that could have mean that Colin Hurd was the most reliant guy because 
you're not likely to lose both corners at the same time. So at least you have the one backup. It's good to see Mark on there. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Everything else and Tyson Remington is the or on the uh, tight ends, knowing that what we saw from Remington, that's probably best that he doesn't come in at certain points, maybe to catch the ball. We know he blocked and hopefully Tyson can get going a long time. So yeah, uh, diving into the dogs. Um, offensively, I think, uh, I just think we have to be able to, hmm, I'm going to say, I think, and it's just saying Javon, knowing that he is who he is for us. And it seems like an easy pick just cause I just, I'm picking one out off the top of my head, but, uh, that he lives up to the moments in the big games. I think that's the biggest thing. And if we, depending upon, we don't know the over-unders or anything we'll get to, maybe a spread that you saw after you talk about uh, or after we get done with these pick, or these dogs of the game. But like I said, Javon kind of can live up to the moment. And he finished the game off for us last week. I'm thinking he'll uh, do that again this week, Noah. So yours and then start off with defensive. Yeah, obviously um, you're going to need to uh, be able to uh, obviously – when we get in the red zone score, but um, Javon's a really good pick. Um, but I think um, obviously going to need Nick Baker to be really good, but we haven't seen a big Avante Cox game yet. And uh, I think this is one we've seen what his brothers be doing. So maybe teams start to look more, maybe leaning his weight. I don't think so. So it could be another Deontay game, but uh, Avante, a lot of man-to-man. If if it's ever man-to-man and they're playing one-on-one with no safety, I'm going – I'm checking to something if I'm Nick Baker. So, big, big-time big Avante-Cox game. Um, then defensively, it's going to be a big-time game. I'm, I think I'm going to – we've talked about him a lot recently. Just talked about him. He had an interview. I think Branson Combs, um, being in that middle of that defense, maybe making a – interception if Shelly gets rushed, but um, you could go with some of those edge guys to be able to contain Shelly, but I'm going to go with a guy to make a big play in the middle of that defense of Branson Combs, who's been big the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I like your Avante pick because he had he does need to break out to this point. We're not thinking any injuries bothering him. His brother's getting the production, but if they can get going at the same time fully, that'd be dangerous because, I mean, we, we went through some of the stats. I think Missouri State's defense, we talked about how it's it's a nice defense, but it can give up some points. So we've got to put points on the board. I like that pick, and I'm, I'm glad that you'd be picking the importance of a linebacker, and then I'll take the importance of a cornerback. Depending upon who's on, Scott, I'll go with DJ just because he's, he's a little bigger than David. Uh, you need that big, big corner on the big receiver. So I'll go with DJ. He does get thrown at. He does a nice job. He gets beat sometimes and gets the flags, but he's got to have a big game in this one. I like those. Uh and the special team or no, I think Torney could be him every single week because he's got to bounce back from his performances. We talked about how when he was under pressure, either dropped the ball or just felt it should have been blocked. Some of his two last week should have been blocked, but uh, no, he's got to, I mean, he's, he's got to get, he's got to flip the field. I mean, it's just way better than he is. We talked about the net he has so far this year. Last game it was 38. It's probably around 40. Just needs to be better than that. Uh, who are you picking? Yeah, I'm going to say um, it's been interesting. Jake's missed a couple um, and had a couple blocked. You could go with Jake because this game could come down to a field goal 
or those miss at some point those missed extra points could come up at the end of the day and cost us. Um, but I'm gonna go. I mean, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Javon here. No what you, I know you went with him on offense, but um, obviously, if he has a chance to return one, either that's kickoff or punt, um, getting that good field position um, with a good punter. You see a good punter on another side, um, longer kicks that gives him more room. So I'm gonna go with Javon um, with uh, some really good return yardage this week, giving us that easy field position to go score some more points. That's definitely a good pick, and Javon's been doing a good job at that. We notice how the most spiraled of punts that he's able to just catch above his head and with these, he's got the surest hand. So we do trust him. Just don't get hurt, and you're right. Get some yardage to help out, uh, to help out our drives that are important, obviously. So, uh, like I said, I mentioned earlier about Hero having a prediction, uh, and then we'll dive into what ours could be. He's got it. He's got a barn burner. Sam Herter does. He's got Missouri State beating us 45 to 42. That would be the uh, – imagine losing by a field goal once again but and scoring that many points and knowing that your defense just slipped up when they had been playing well. Noah, that's that's kind of a crazy game. He said he was prepared for three lead changes in the final three minutes in this game. Again, if we want to keep playing or want to keep the tradition going this season of the, uh, Missouri still not being able to finish games, we need to do that. That's a high number, Noah. So let's dive into – what we think will happen in this game, and but the early spreads that maybe you saw, and it seems like that would be the case, and then maybe what an over-under would be. Yeah, obviously, um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I did see, I'll give him credit, Wyatt Wheeler um, came out on Monday, and he said, and he, he tweeted that Missouri State has opened up as a two-point home favorite, um, so that'll be an interesting one. Um, if that's the case, we'll see what it, um, close or see what it is in the morning. I'm not sure where to get that. Um, being in another state, maybe he's able to see some stuff. So two points on the road. Um, interesting. I think I'm just then, then going back to Sam Herder. Um, I think he's been every time he's, uh, predicted our game, he's been wrong this year, I think. So, um, hopefully we can keep that trend going um i think he had north dakota coming to our place and winning so he was wrong there and hopefully he's wrong this week but yeah two point dog and an over under i mean i'd probably set it i'm just trying to think uh a good number is because like he said it's gonna be high scoring um i'd set it like mid 50s i'd say like 50 55 set it 55 flat because it's like I said, it has a potential of high scoring, um, but I think these two defenses um, are pretty good. So it may be end up um, in the twenties and not to get to that fifty mark. Yeah, I don't think it'll definitely be in the forties. I could be surprised. You're right; he has been wrong, and he's been he had a mailbag and had people asking him what his beef is with us, and he said there there is no beef. Uh, just talking about how our games have, have been this year and. I mean, honestly, I, I would say it'll be maybe in the 20s. And, yeah, I wouldn't go higher than, like, obviously, like a touchdown difference. I could could see a two and a three if it sticks that way. We know it's ever-changing throughout the day. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like 
this can be a game we drop just knowing that they need a win. We talked about how they are in desperation mode to save their season, that we can have a lot of slip-ups and being on the road, even though we've been playing really well on the road, obviously. And that's why I would have said us being on the road against them would be really tough. I honestly think we might lose this one. I would have confidence to win and hoping they would prove us wrong. But if it stays, if everything just goes well, I would expect to come in and uh, obviously have the business, uh, you know, get the business done. So I, I think it's just, it, it's a tough matchup and knowing how tough the games have been the last couple of weeks or a couple of years that I would say that uh, things should go our way, but, you know, keep them while they're down, while they're struggling, keep them down and honestly try to finish their season. Noah, final thoughts. Yeah, obviously this, this is a tough one. Um, I think it's going to be really close either way. Um, I can see it going both ways. I think uh, beginning of the season, this is where I had one of our losses. Um, I just think I thought, I mean, obviously losing three in a row with the schedule they've had, obviously um, the second half woes we've talked, we mentioned. Um, hopefully we can figure it out, not continue the trend like they've been on in the second half. Hopefully we can figure out what happened last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, Obviously, Missouri State's a really good opponent, but at this point uh, of the season, um, seeing, seeing, watching this team play so much at this point, um, SIU's biggest opponent right now is themselves. Um, not not taking away credit from Missouri State, really good football team, but we just got to fix fix the the play calling. Nick Hill's got to be better this week. Um, he was really good the first half last week, I thought, um, but. Second half, we got to fix that. Just got to execute. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I trust this defense to um, limit the big plays, like I said, and uh, hopefully cause some turnovers. So, um, if we, I think either way, if we do that, we'll come out victorious, um, hopefully, and uh, continue the winning streak because, like we've talked about, this, this is, this is the biggest, biggest game of the year. It splits the season in half. It's the middle of the season, so um, can't wait for tomorrow. Um, it's going to be a big one. Yeah, and, and you mentioned how before the season maybe we did pick this game as one we would lose, but I'd say we could trade this one for one we'd win because we beat Northwestern because we didn't expect to win that game. So, yeah, I think – and we talked about how if you get past this game because our toughest conference games are this and the Bison second to last game of the year about a month from now. So it's, if you can get this win and then you get Western at home on homecoming and then you're at South Dakota, none of these games are going to be easy, but it's just knowing that it's teams. If you can come and beat Missouri state that you can, you know, uh, go the distance until that North Dakota state game and you're sitting pretty and you're sitting with a nice playoff spot and whoever, and who knows what can happen in that home game. And we know at Youngstown will be tough. So it's just a nice part of the schedule. If you can get a win like this, it can just be massive and quickly. We talked about how the four road games in the first six games, Nick Hill had a quick quote on that. One good thing about that is we've got the experience of what the trips need to look like and how we need to prepare ourselves to play well on the road. And we've got to do that again this week if we want to have a chance down there on Saturday. So I think that was a good quote to end it on for these tough road games that we've had, and we will have some near the end of the season. But definitely looking forward to it. ESPN Plus game, 2 o'clock, will be definitely fun to keep up with and however game it goes, however which way it goes, if Missouri State comes out firing because they've been struggling, we'll see how we respond, and hopefully we can have a way better second half than we had last week and keep Missouri State doing what they've been doing. So for Nick Malone, 
Go Alerts. Looking forward to talking about this one early next week. Go dogs.